This segment of Alley Talk is brought to you by Body Check Wellness. Rethink recovery with a checking mindset and go to bodycheckwellness.com. Enter promo code OCS for 25% off your CBD needs. Again, go to bodycheckwellness.com and enter promo code OCS for 25% off your CBD needs. Hey, everybody. Jesse here from Flyers Alley and OC Sports Network. Want to rep our new sponsor, Sterling Pig brewery out of media pennsylvania right now i am drinking the snuffler ipa literally their flagship easy drinking ipa with hoppy notes and citrus and tropical fruit let me tell you something this thing goes down smooth it's great for a pound session and it's great for a good flyers game guys go to www.sterlingpig.com go into the store pick up some of their merch pick up some of their beers have a great night Hello, everybody, and welcome to Flyers Alley. I'm your host, Jesse Bell, along with me in the alley as always, Wade, Anthony. How are you guys doing? What's up, buddy? How's it going? Doing good, doing good. We have a special guest in the house tonight. Last week we had Derek. This week we have Riley. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Good. What's happening, guys? Not much. Thanks so much for coming in. Um, no problem. Again, everybody, uh, before we jump into this thing, go like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Flyers Alley, on Twitter at Flyers Alley Pod 1, Instagram at Flyers Alley, and go check out Old City Sports Network, Old Spud O-L-D-E, for all your Old City Sports Network articles and much more. Um, yeah, we're going to dive right into this thing. Um, we had Nasty on last weekend. Um, he talked a little bit about the ball hockey tournament. Um I was able to dig up some uh, pictures of the ball hockey tournament. I have to ask you a personal question. Do you recommend shin guards? <laughs> it's a good question. I didn't wear them last year, but it probably should have. Um, I don't know. The ones I had were falling off all over the place, so I just took them off. But, yeah, I think I, I would recommend shin guards. It's going to take one one hack to the shin, and you're going to put them on. So, um, I just haven't – I hadn't played ball hockey in eons, so I just – wasn't overly prepared so just i guess toughed it out for the day 
I feel like that's the direction I'm going in. I asked uh, Derek about it. He recommended it. Um, yeah. I feel like I'd be running around and they would just trip me. So. That's kind of what was happening for me. The Again, I, th I think I just had uh, the, the wrong set. They were just they were sliding all over the place. I spent more time, you know, readjusting the Velcro and all that shit. So I just took them off and played without. But I think, I think going the, in, into the next or, or this year's ball hockey tournament, I'm going to get a new pair and. Because it's it's a matter of time before I get my shin smashed and I'm gonna be pissed and you know, go back to it anyways. So I may as well just get ahead of it. I got lucky last summer for sure. It could be like the end for me. I, I told uh, Derek to bring an ambulance because I'm absolutely gonna pass out. Like I'm absolutely. Oh man, I almost died last year. I, I had run like that since I was yeah. I know it's 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 serious in the heat, man. It was no joke. I was feeling it for a couple weeks. I think. Yeah, we're all gonna die. We're all yeah. gonna die. Um, last time enough. me and you, me and you did this. Anthony and Wade weren't with me. Uh, I had another guy, Eric, with me. Um, I want to definitely give these guys a chance to kind of fire some things off at you and have the privilege to do it last time. So, uh, sure. Anthony, go for it, brother. Riley, what's up, buddy? Thank you so much for joining us here today. No problem. Appreciate uh, my you having first. Me. Oh, anytime. Uh, my first question. You know, I know Wade and stuff. We're going to talk about towards, but. Free agency coming around the corner in the NHL. Cam Atkinson said it in his end-of-the-year presser. They need F more FU in their game. Uh, Torch is already kind of looking for more toughness on the team. A free agent to be Nicholas Delorier. Uh, do you think he would be a perfect flyer uh, to, to sign here in Philly? Yeah, I, I, lo I love his game, and there's not too many guys left in the NHL that play his style. You know, he's a perfect fit for Philly. I understand we have McEwen. Um, you know, this guy's an absolute gamer um, and not just a gamer. He, he competes with, the, you know, the, the heavyweights of the league. So he knows his role. Great forechecker, you know, heavy on the body. He would, uh, you know, he would be a great addition. I'm just not sure if they're able to have both of those types of guys. So we'll see. But, yeah, I would love him on my team. You know, he's just a guy that – he reminds me a lot of myself. You know, he was just one of those guys that was absolutely fearless. And you go out there every shift to run somebody and be ready to fight. And, and it doesn't matter who it is, he's game. Well, I mentioned it to Derek last week. I mean, you look at that 2010 team when you guys went to the Cup. You had you, you had uh, Carcillo, and you had LePerriere. So, I mean, hey, you know, you can't have too many of these guys because as we just saw in the playoffs this year, it's a much different game and it's a heavier game. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what? Like you know, guys like Lappy and and, and Carcillo, like you know, they they had a more established roles in just being you know what you know Nick Delorean. I don't want to I don't want to you know uh, demean his role, but you know I, I think guys like Lappy and Carcillo you know, played in a little bit more specific role than just bringing the grit. You know, I think that, you know I, I think having a guy like McEwen and Nick Deloria on the same team in, in this day and age, probably, probably far fetched. But you know, who knows? I mean, Torts loves those types of guys. You know, you know these, they're they're consistent. You know what you can get out of them. So maybe that's what we need. Maybe we just need another you know sandpaper type of guy. Um, and, and you know, again, that 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 exudes what Philly's all about. I, I think from an energy perspective, at least trying to show you you're trying to do the right thing to the fans. I think that would be a a smart move but again at the end of the day it's about winning games and you score more goals but you know finding a power four that can score and and, and you know and, and be heavy on the body or you know are tough to come by so we'll see how it plays out but i, I would love a guy like that yeah way doing again 
Um, <clears throat> back when uh, you're basically not phased out, but leaving the the Flyers to going down to to coaching the Phantoms, how is how did you adjust to that? It was actually a pretty easy adjustment because I mean I made the decision to retire and, and I made the decision to turn my last year of my contract into into coaching. So I you know had mentally accepted what I was doing before I did it, um, and there was there was more than one reason why I decided to do it mainly for my own personal health and, and wellness. And, and it wasn't so much to become a coach, you know, I wasn't like in a hurry to become a coach. It was just a, a natural transition to get me out of the environment of, <laughs> of fighting and more and preparing to fight on a daily basis. I knew I was probably going to send down to the minors. There was a good chance um, going in, going into the off season that was going to happen. And I know what the minors, are like you know you got a bunch of young guys full of piss and vinegar that want to fight and right and on my on my way out i really didn't want to do that anymore honestly i, 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 I poured so much into it emotionally and and uh, spiritually it's you know it's a tough role that i just didn't want to do that so that's why i got into to, to, to coaching was really the transition out of the game so i so i could kind of like begin my my healing journey and and, and embark on that as well as you know stay in the game and and help coach guys because I really enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't too far removed, obviously, from some of the guys I coach. In fact, some of the guys I coach were older than myself. So, um, it, it was a, it was a good transition for me. I just needed to get out of the you know I just needed to get out of that environment of you know as hard as I was going on the ice, I was going off the ice, and I was just uh, I needed a break. <laughs> I needed a mental break, and that's you know that's what you decided to do. It was just to, to to get into coaching, to be on the other side of the fence, and to to exit stage left, you know, just to escape the party and, and start healing. Right. I got a, uh, so we are live on Facebook and Twitter. So like people can interact right. with you. Uh, Brandon cool. Paulus says, Hey Riley question for you. What was, what was it like playing against torch when you guys played the lightning earlier in your career? Well, I mean, you know, when I'm playing, I'm not really worried about the opposing coach. I mean, the only memory I really have of playing against him that was like somewhat involving me was uh, when I fought Andre Waugh a couple times at home at the Wells Fargo Center. And the second time, he this guy freaked out after they showed the replay of, of the fight, you know, a d dozen times on the Jumbotron. Um, John Tortorella ended up like <laughs> chokeholding Andre Waugh on the, on the bench because he was going nuts. Um, He's going to probably take a misconduct penalty. So, that's the you know that's the only thing I can remember of him as a person behind the bench, um, you know, outside of a few antics uh, through the media. But you know, it's just like any other team, like these teams competed. They, they were they were hard, you know, say hard to play against. Um, um, but you know, other than that, it was more it was more his personality. You'd see through the, the lens of the TV and just kind of almost like look for some of his is uh, is is media outbursts uh, just as entertainment. But other than that, as far as a coach on the ice, I don't really remember a whole lot. You how do how do you feel about the uh, the coach signing? I think it's a great signing. I mean, I think it's a great signing. I mean, there was what five, six legitimate grade A coaches out there, right? I mean, probably even more if you really want to break down uh, available head coaches. Um, after such a shitty season, I understand there's a lot of injuries, and you know you could, you could throw a few excuses in the bucket there. Um, but you know the bottom line is that the Flyers really had no identity. There was no, there was like even even with injuries and all that, like they just didn't have like, jam that as a fan 
you know, former player that you like, you just look to see. It was there sometimes, you know, McEwen brought it. It's not about fighting, you know, it's just about playing with a chip on your shoulder and just being hard to play against. It's an attitude, right? And I think that's, you know, from that perspective, um, I think he'll, he'll, he'll bring that, you know, is the team going to be that much improved that it's going to be, he's going to make that much of a difference. I'm not sure, but I think you'll get them to play a real hard game that, you know, even if they lose, they're going to go down, you know, uh, with a fight. And I mean, I mean that just like going down, um, playing, playing hard and being a hard team to play against. So, um, you know, and if it does get hairy, like it did this year and parts of, you know, the previous year, um, there'll be some sort of entertainment, you know, for the fans and, and media, right? Because he's not going to—he's not going to allow the team to, to lose ten games in a row, you know, three times in a season. I can guarantee you that he's going to, you know, he, he's going to draw a line in the sand of of expectations. And again, I think at the very least, you're going to get an energy, you're going to get an attitude out of him. I, I, I always said it was between him and Rick Tockett. I think Rick, you know, obviously he's an ultimate flyer. You know, come back to Philly and bring that attitude, that energy. But I think he's got it pretty well made there with TNT. So why the hell would you want to leave there and get, you know come to an organization like Philly right now and and tarnish your reputation or your tarnish your your legacy that you've created? So uh, I think Torts is on, you know a, a great fit. I mean you know the shelf life is short like NHL coaches are. I, I don't see them being a, a Stanley Cup contender in the next two or three years. So he'll be fired before that probably happens, unless something <laughs> magical happens with. Uh, you know some of these guys and they, you know they just somehow find ways to, to win some games but you look at the colorados and tampas and you go on the list of like those you know those those, those top tier teams flyers aren't even in the ballpark you know no so yeah a guy like torts you know like yeah he's gonna he's gonna bag the shit out of them in training camp and he's gonna do all these ooh ah things that you know that like oh like, like you're, you're in the pros like is it is it that big of a shock that a coach wants you to work hard and bring an energy and attitude to the rink you know so this needs to come within He'll he'll instill it, you know. It, it, it'll be noticeable that the, you know they're 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 competing harder. But I'm not sure unless they sign some, you know, legitimate free agents and patch a few holes here, um, that they're going to be that much more competitive. You know, it's got to stay healthy too, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, not, not great news on Ellis. Obviously, Farabee. So you're going to training camp again, um, in an interesting spot. So we'll see. Yeah, Riley, one name that fascinates me with Torts coming in, and as you said, a lot of his antics in the media. Uh, he dealt with some young goaltenders with Merzlikens and Corpusalo and Columbus. I uh, just want to get your thoughts on how you think he's going to handle Carter Hart because Hart came up in 18 halfway through the year. He's really had a stunted NHL career because of COVID and stuff like that. So last year was really his first NHL season. He rebounded from a bad year beforehand. Any concerns with the way he might handle another young goaltender? I just hope that – in his time evolving as a coach that he's learned to let some guys be. I think if he does his, you know, uh, if he does a thorough investigation on, on Carter Hart as a human and as a, and as a high level performer, this guy is dialed in. I think some people just need to leave alone, not fuck with them. And, and I think coaches have a tendency to try and put their, you know, their, their, their dirty fingerprint on, on players and get involved too much sometimes. So, you know, I, I just, I just think that he's had a bounce back year. I think he's trending in the right way. You said COVID, yeah, some, some squirrely years there. Um, if, if there was a positive of, of this past season, I think Carter Hart's play, I think he was actually pretty good considering that, you know, the, the squad in front of him. That being said, he's still young. 
that that position takes time to develop. You look at you know the, the actual goaltenders that were drafted to organization and actually you know um, wrote out their their careers in a, in a, in a city. Um, you, you got you got to throw this guy a bone. You got to let him be, and you got to just like you, you got to show that you're, you believe in him, and, and he's the number one guy. I think he does enough on his own with the goalie coach and on his own just you know just ripping through video and all the stuff he does with the mental health coaches and all that stuff like just let this guy perform and and and, and try and you know tr try and help beef up the the decor in front of him and you know what i mean play play a little sounder defensively and help this guy out a little bit you know he can't be absorbing some of the rubber and some of the opportunities grade a opportunities that he's absorbed last year and the year before you know what i mean it's no matter how good of a goaltender you are you're, you're gonna you're gonna get exposed over time if you have that many holes. So, you know, I know he's he, he likes to you know take care of um, the D zone as any other team would, but you know a real focus on taking care of the front of that and, and working outwards. So, to clean up a few areas, maybe limit some grading opportunities. Obviously, play away from the net, um, less you know, less pressure and stress on the tender, and then you're playing in the offensive zone where everyone wants to play, and that's where the game is really fun. So. Hopefully that converts and, and ultimately it'll, it'll help it'll help help his game out. But I think you just gotta let let him, let him be. You know, I think he's he's maturing. He's finding his his groove. Um, it's too much interference from coaches can be a, a distraction. Honestly, what do you uh, what do you think about the signing of this uh, Ivan Fedotov, the uh, backup part? Honestly, I don't I don't know much much about him. Um, Again, like it's unless unless Car I mean again going into the season, I just think they're gonna they're gonna ride Carter Hart. I mean, I, I think he needs to be absolute number one. You play him as much as we can, and then you know unless unless a backup is that shitty and off his game, um, they're all kind of say somewhat in the same ballpark of performance. You know, it's like. A, if, if he shits the bed, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll replace him pretty quickly or send him down. Um, I don't know much about him, you know what I mean? But, like, usually when you sign like a backup, it's just – to me, it's – you know, you look at some of the names and they're they're kind of they, – they, they don't really change anything. Like, is he challenging Carter Hart for a number one position? I, I don't think so, you know. you know. But that being said, if, if, if he starts shitting the bed – they, they got to make some changes, but I think they're going to give him an honest chance to perform, to find his groove, and and then when this guy comes in, he's just got to play a solid game and and, and not suck, basically, you know, because <laughs> then you can find a million backups to do that, right? So, um, we'll see. I mean, I don't Chuck, know Chuck made the decision. He made the 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 statement in the press conference saying, uh, "If right, it was, I think it was like two days before they signed him." If we can get him to, if we can get him to agree to a contract, he's going to be number two. And then there's been no word on Jones at all, so it's yeah. to assume that Jones is going to be gone. But I mean, it's just there's a lot oh, of weird. darkness. There's a lot of darkness and smoke around. A lot of changes that need to be made. I feel. Yeah, it could be one of those like uh, fake promises. You know, I've heard of these before where you promise guys the world, playing time and this and that, and you know, time comes. It's all about performance, right? So, so you can lure a guy by telling them something, but if they don't, if they don't uh, rise up and, and meet the expectations of the coach and organization, you know, they'll, they'll slowly fall back into a lesser role. And 
slowly fall back into that unhappy state of getting the agent called the GM and what the hell happened and come back to the performance, right? Yeah. Wait, if you if you got something, I I got one after you guys in the crowd. All right. Um, you brought up with uh the defense being uh spotty. Is there a specific free agent that you'd want to go after, uh, defense or offensive, or would you just think that the team is filled up with too many holes and just build to the draft? I'm not even sure who's available. If um, <laughs> if, uh, if if Pittsburgh let go of Latang, I'd go after him. Oh, that's oh, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who else is around. You'd like to think that some of the guys they have have another level. Like, you know, like Rista Linen and Sanheim talking about them this morning. Like, I think when they were good this past year, they were actually really good. You know, I think if these guys can, like, through this offseason, grow a little bit and mature. Obviously, everyone is expecting Ellis to be back. So, you know, then you have that one, too, that we that everyone had planned on happening going into last season. Um and if you added a guy like, you know, again, in the ballpark of Latang, you know, that guy that can skate and, and move the puck, like play away from the net again. So you're not just absorbing so much. Uh, other than that, I'm not exactly sure who's who's, uh, who's available. But I think with Torts coming in, again, he's a little more defensive-minded, you know, take care of home base and, and, and move north. And I think they got more than enough guys to jump into play. It's just, um, you know, the defense, look at the guys, the teams that win, man, they're just they're – just, their D are just sound. You know, obviously, guys like Makar, like, geez, they're like on a level. You know, you'll never see a guy, you know, come through like that in the next 10 years um, on, on a team. But, like, you know, the other, they're complementary defensemen are dynamic. So, um, but to me, it's like that's that's where the that's where you need to to really focus. Because if you have good decor, a solid decor, you obviously play away from the net, but that, just those quick outlet passes, you just, you just move the puck up to the – to the forwards, you can have somewhat of an average um, group of forwards. I don't know I say average. You gotta have an above average forwards, but you know you can get away. You can hide guys if you have a better decor. Just you know moving the puck, guys that can shoot, get pucks through at the blue line, um, advance the puck. You know what I mean? It's just again, just taking the pressure off the D zone and, and the goaltending. So, uh, but a guy like Latang would be to me would be would be great if they could afford him. I'm not sure what he's looking for. It'd be a reason why that Pittsburgh's getting rid of him or, or, or thinking about letting him go in the first place. I think he would be great in Philly, but I got a quick follow-up, Riley, before we get to the the other questions. Uh, with the draft coming up, Flyers fifth overall pick. Would you do a package trade with the fifth pick to Arizona to bring back a defenseman to Jacob Chikorin? Now he's your top pairing guy with, let's just say, Ivan Provorov. I do. I think I'd do that. I like that. I like. I like Jake's game. His father, there's a former flyer, tough guy. <laughs> but this guy, I've actually met him a few times in in, uh, in and around Philly. Um, man, you talk about like meat and potatoes, big, you know, big, like built like a Greek god, can play. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been following um, that closely. What you know, what, what his what his knock would be. Um, but um, that being said, he's done a hell of a job there in. Uh, in, in Phoenix, you know, he plays in a leadership role, you know, big, strong guy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like him, you know, uh, I'm not sure how that's going to go down, but what was the trade? What, what was the total package you were, you were mentioning? I just said like just a package starting with the fifth overall pick to Arizona and you'd be getting back, um, uh, Chikrin. I, I, you know, that's just the way I would start a package because 
I feel like if they're going to do this retool as they're talking about, and you get towards coming in already talking about cleaning up in front of Carter Hart, well, right. now you get a stable guy in Chikrin who can help yeah. balance out Provorov and get him back on the straight and narrow. I mean, right there, you got a solid one-two punch at uh, top defense. I agree. I think, you know, Provy's always been at his best. You know, you go back to, um, you know, two, two years ago, um, when he has the luxury to, to know he can jump up in the play and be offensive and carry the mail and know that someone's taking care, uh, you know, of, of, of him and, and sagging back and being more responsible. I think Chickering would, would be that guy. Um, you know, I think Proby just needs that this, that, 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 that that partner that brings him that confidence where he can, you know, not just survive, but like thrive and, and play his game, and, you know, be off, a little more offensive and jump into more holes and, and not have to worry so much that that he has to do both, you know, both both jobs, you know, which he wouldn't be anyways, nor you know, shouldn't be. But knowing that in the back of your mind gives guys confidence. So um, I think having someone like that, whether it's Chikrin or, or, or I'm not sure, again, who, who would be available. Now you're talking about a trade, but um, yeah. You need to do something again. If you can't, you can't go another season the way you did. So if Ellis is not going to be ready, you, the fans aren't going to put up with waiting for you know another press conference to wait another two months for another update to see where this guy is at. Like that was your that was your number one defenseman, and, that, and now you got to figure something out. So yes, I think they're in a position where they they're going to have to offer something to get something to make uh, some sort of significant impact on the back end. Otherwise, they're going to be more of the same, in my opinion. I'm a huge fan of the Latang thing. Huge fan of the Latang thing. I don't know how the I don't know how the fans would go about that though. Would you, I mean, yeah. that could be very. Uh, Dude, they welcome very... Max Talbot to town. I yeah, I was gonna say. You know. That's true. But Max Talbot yeah. does everything though. He gets in the 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 rough stuff. He gets in the the corners, kills penalties. You know, he's a fighter every once in a while. The tank's been a, was a, has been a nightmare for the Flyers. Yeah, yeah he's a chippy prick yeah. the entire time he's been there, though. I mean, yeah, especially uh, him chirping Hartnell a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fans, fans are pretty forgiving. If he comes here and he produces, the, the, all the boo birds, all the haters, eventually will go away, right? I mean, yeah. or they're just going to be oh, miserable yeah. pricks at home anyway. So, like, let them be. But like, I mean, <laughs> again, Max Talbot, again, he was more of a pest in my opinion. I, I understand he only played there half the time that Latang played Pitt, but nonetheless, he was what you know. Think of like a you know a pesty penguin, right? And the Flyers embraced him. I think Latang is you know a, you know a better player. You know, he's he's in a, di- a different dimension of type of player, more of an impact player. Um, so if he's you know if he comes in and produces and and it brings energy you know what's what, what could you be hating on if if it's about winning and, and competing and, and you know and and scoring goals and all that like if he's doing that or helping contribute should be you you think that the fans should be happy and supportive but we'll see if that's even an, uh, an option I'm not sure what kind of money he's looking for I think what I heard with Malkin they offered him. Three years, seven million a year for twenty-one million dollars. I'm not sure exactly what they, if they even made a formal offer to the tang or not. But uh, it's all about how much money this guy would be asking for, anyways. Riley, if I could just jump back a little bit over to your playing days. Obviously, this season the Flyers they get rid of Claude Drew, their captain for a long tenure of time. Um, your captain when you were with Philly, Mike Richards, one of my all-time favorites. I love the way he would lead on the ice, right? Like it didn't always have to be a goal. It could be a hard shift, a big check, a fight. I mean, we saw in 2010, 
in that playoff series against Boston. He had the big hit on Krejci, breaks his wrist, and it all turned around. Uh, just if you don't mind, talk about the two different styles of leadership from Richards over to Giroux. Well, it's two different types of players, both, you know, I would say, in, in elite categories, right? Uh, I think Richie was just obviously more of a more of a grunt worker, hard nose, say, say power forward type, you know, um, player, right? I mean, he, he to all the, to your points there, he did everything, right? He blocked shots, he he'd fight, he'd hit, he, you know, heavy back check, and you know, just crazy like effort plays, um, just like just like what you'd expect out of a leader. You know, G does a lot of the same things. You know, he, if, you, if you look in the weight room in the Flyers skates, so he comes to training camp uh, in shape, um, yeah, high skill, like high hockey IQ, you know, passing ability. I mean, I'm not sure how many guys you'll see in your lifetime that could pass like him. You know, Peter Forsberg, you, know, you might throw a few guys in, in that bucket of guys that have vision like G does. Um, just a different type of leader, right? I mean, he cared just as much as Richie, but just the way they – expressed it and communicated it, it was it, it's just different it's just different styles right um both not very vocal guys right richie was never a vocal guy in the locker room he just like led by example he'd always show up gee i mean still in my opinion the most consistent flyer like he, yes he had his off nights but like gee to, to produce and you know keep up with point production and and do all that like it's just he, he just he led by example he was just in a different way. He's still a quiet leader, but like they both really, really cared. You know, when shit really got, uh, you know, when, when shit really hit the fan, they, they obviously would step up like any leader would. But you know, both elite players, just different style, different style on the ice, and different style um, of leader off the ice and on the ice. But uh, both more reserved guys. You know, even like I look back at some of the, you know, even other captains I had, like Jason Smith, man, like absolute warrior. Didn't say it, you know, didn't say that much. Like, but like you look at the guy, you know, he's cut open here, here, here. He's just bleeding, his arms like hanging off by a thread. Like this guy is just like he's going to battle for you guys. Like it's, it's hard not to, to compete for this guy, right? Um, didn't have to say a whole lot. I'd be like, okay, Gator, we got it. You know, it's like we got we gotta be better. So um uh, both amazing guys. I, I I love them both, just just different style, different personalities. Would you name a captain for the season or do you think they will name a captain or would you want to see them almost make somebody earn the captaincy? Well, I think you, I think you got to give it to Coots, don't you? I mean, you know, this guy's, this guy's been, been a flyer for however many years now. Um, you know, he plays both sides of the puck. He's evolved. You know, he started off as a real defensive centerman you know, to come out and play in the NHL at 19 years old and, and take on that type of role. You know, there's a, there's there's leadership qualities in Coots. Again, really quiet guy, right? I mean, you know, Coots is not a guy that's going to be rah rahing it up and banging the drum in the locker room. Um, but he shows up every night. You know, yes, he has his off nights like everyone does, but I feel like Coots, um, night in night out, shows up. And, and again, if he's not scoring, he's always doing something that you know the average fan may not see. But on the defensive side of the puck, he's responsible. He's thinking. Um, he's a reliable reliable player. Um, so. I'm not sure who else. I mean, you know, a guy, guy like Scott Lawton could be up in the running, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's quite quite there yet. To me, Coots, um, um, but 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 who knows? You know, um, th that's just the way I see it. The uh, I've been big on the culture of uh, just the, the franchise in itself, and I obviously don't want to you know say anything that you know 
any spicy things that might, you know, be controversial or anything. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything. But um, do you think that uh, I've been following pretty pretty heavily uh, the Lindy Snyder comments on Twitter, and uh, I, I did see that you were you were tagged in in that. I know you guys are uh, business partners of, of sorts. I asked Derek this. Um, do you think? How do you think it would be if Lindy Snyder took over the team and bought the team? Because <laughs> that 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 that's been uh that's been floating very subtly, but it pops up every every couple weeks. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I would I would love to see it. I would just love to see someone that cared about the roots of the Flyers and just cared about like just the like said, that culture. You know, there was such a there was such an obvious distinctive culture when Ed Snyder owned the team. And there's a big difference between any you know actual public facing owner and a corporation owning a team, right? It's just a different feel. So whether it's Lindy or you know or someone else, I would just love to see it shift from a, a corporate ownership into someone that actually is human or a group of humans that you know that actually will have an ownership because there's just there's just immediately more culture. I guess. I understand that it's going that way no matter what, right? It's just like there is more corporations owning teams, and um, but that being said, there's something special, whether you knew it at the time or not. You know, you kind of see the transition and kind of like see the the holes in, in what's going on as it's evolved. But like, I played Fred Snyder. This guy came down in the locker room. You know, win or lose, he come and shake everyone's hand, look you straight in the eye. Like there was something like very, very powerful about that where you know that the that the owner cares about you and the team and, and the success right um it's powerful you know the, that, that's like the human nature of the business but now it's like when you when you when you remove that there's just a different feel I think, can you still win without uh, an owner like that yeah i think so but I think you look at the Flyers, the Flyers' history was built around Ed Snyder. It was built around, you know, say the Broad Street Bullies, which I understand evolved. And there's no, there's never going to be the Broad Street Bullies again. But there was this identity just of being a hard team to play against. You knew if you're coming in the Spectrum or even the Wachovia Center, Wells Fargo Center as it evolved, like it was going to be a hard night. Like you were coming in and you were you were in a battle. Fights or no fights. It was just going to be a battle. Um, to like, yes, Ed Snyder passes. You know they they move in the, the corporate mothership and you know they get rid of all kinds of alumni in 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 and around the building. You know working up in in in, in you know the executive offices as like salesmen. You know Joe Watson, some of these guys. Again, they just kind of they just kind of got, got rid of like the old school guys that you know that were kind of helping continue the the culture of the Flyers. They got rid of them. Um, just you know it's the way it's run. I, I guess is has more of a corporate feel, obviously, um, but. Um, it's a big difference. So you're getting a very, very distinct identity as a hockey team in, in, a, in, a, in a very blue collared city to like, like a lot of fans I talk to are like, well, what the hell happened to the Flyers? And it's like, well, do, do you have a few hours to sit down over, over coffee? Cause this is, you know, it's, it's pretty deep, you know, it's not just a, a simple fix, but culture, man, it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's powerful. And building around something like that is is powerful. So they're gonna have to find a way to create a new identity, kind of bring that culture back. 
Now, in, a, in, a, in a, obviously in a modern day fashion, you know, like I'm not not suggesting we go back to the Broad Street Bullies because that's obviously never going to work. But the energy the Broad Street Bullies represented and, and brought to the rink every night was was powerful, right? And then you go into like the the next era. The Flyers are always known as the hard team, you know. The, look at some of the teams around the NHL they're hard teams to play against you know it's not about fighting just like you know just being just being heavy heavy on pucks heavy around the net you know heavy on the forecheck being relentless um so you have to you have to do something to kind of find find or you know it's not finding it's like carving it out because it's not like oh there, there it is there's the identity it's like we'll throw it on like it comes from within right I mean it's like each individual in that locker room has to come together in agreement that we're going to play together and we're going to compete in a certain way and we have a certain mindset going in each game otherwise it's just it's just talk right everyone talks about these things but you know having the discipline to to engage in the games with that type of attitude and having the discipline to come together and compete on a daily basis that's another story and that's you know know, part of the coach's job is to kind of funnel them but at the end of the day it's the guys in that locker room that have to be the ones that bring forth the effort and, and and bring that identity onto the ice. And even with that, like I said, I was so excited when they signed Yandel. Like, like I had told, um, I, we were telling Derek, I was doing donuts on my forklift, throwing everything off. You know, I was so <laughs> excited because I knew why they brought him, why they brought him in and they brought him in to lighten up the locker room. And it wasn't something that was really like broadcasted as much as like you would think. Um, but the culture has to change. And I mean, it's just, it, it, it definitely, because I grew up, you know, obviously I'm, I'm there, I'll be 36 in November. Grew up with Legion of Doom, you know, Jody Shelley. Grew up with, you know, like I was saying, Jay Rosehill, Brashear, you. It just, yeah. it just, that was a great time for hockey. But you know, a lot of people my age that are getting into hockey now are like, don't even understand that like the spirit of the city has been taken away. And, right. you know, we talked to me and Anthony had the pleasure of talking to Jimmy Watson uh, two weeks ago, talked to Derek, talking to you about it. And we're going to talk to Joe about it probably next week and Dave McIsaac at some point. And I feel like you all are going to say the same thing is that, you know, if if she were to, to, to buy the team and that would happen, regardless, just someone actually Jim Watson said he 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 wished a bunch of you guys got together and just bought the team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be nice. That would be, I think, however it looks, it's just a group of people or a single billionaire, whatever, whoever it is that act, you know, obviously to buy a team is not just four attacks right off. They would actually have to care, right? Um, to do something like that. But that's, I think, that's what it takes. Is and it's an energy behind something, right? It's an intention behind something. They would, they would want to do it because they want to, they, they, they want to help the team win, right? And, 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 and support something they believe in. So, it would be a beautiful thing. I think. I think the, the certainly the fan base could rally around that type of uh, thinking. I think that's why it's a big thing for everyone. But me, I'm a huge, huge fan of McEwen. Right when he came yeah. in, I mean, that's the type of player I like. I, I, I love, I love the Ice Guardians. I love the Enforcers. That's just it's the, you know, the blue collar hockey player um, that I grew up watching. But um, you know, not even just the fact that you know he fights. You know, he defends his his, his teammates. You know. They played a little bit from the at the beginning of the season. They played a little bit different, and then it just kind of fell apart a little bit. With that, I'm not saying it's his fault at all. Like I said, I'm a big big fan of him, but I, I feel like you have to bring that back at some point. And you got to re-sign him. I mean, you have to have yeah. him back at uh, least. I mean, you have to. You have to. I mean, again, he was 
you know, right, right up there with Carter Hart is probably the two, you know, the two highlights of this year, honestly. Um, I, I like him. I think he's improved. I think his attitude continues to get hungrier. You know, I think he, I think he's kind of been new in this role too, right? Yeah, I didn't think he fought a whole lot before he came to Philly. You know, I think he realized that coming to Philly, you have to fight more and fight some bigger dudes, and you know, and take some, you know, take some beatings, give some beatings, learn it, learn, you know, learn the the job a little bit more. And I think he embraced it. Um, so uh, that being said, he needs to be rewarded for it. And absolutely, obviously, Philly lo- loved what he's done. Yeah, he fits Philly. You know, he's like a modern day tough guy. I mean, um, so. Unless Ryan Reeves is getting signed or something like that, or like you said, Nick Delory, you know what I mean? Like, you got to sign him. Ryan Reeves, uh, that would be that would definitely be something. I feel he fit in perfectly yeah. here. I feel. yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, but Ryan, getting sure back, yeah. getting back to the whole chemistry talk and things like that. You know, back when you used to play, you had some characters on the team yourself. You had Hartnell, Aaron Ashram, another guy, and I remember going to games at the TD Garden in Boston they had this two levels from the escalators. You had to go up one, then you'd walk 20 feet, and then you go up on the other one. But in between, off to the right, we could always see the road teams. And I would always go, when you guys were in town, you'd see the teams kicking around the soccer ball, playing, you know, back and forth, two touch. Just talk about how that, just something small like that before a game can really have a team bond, come together, and really fight for one another. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how something so simple and, and something so fun – can be so effective you know what you're really doing is just getting out of the thinking mind and just kind of like just being right you're having fun with your buddies you're not you're not watching video you're not getting all tensed up about you know this and that you're just kicking a ball around and there's a, obviously a, a strategy around the game itself right you're trying to sewer guys and stuff like that again having fun loosen up um and, and I think, and then, and then larger groups of guys, right? It's not just like two or three guys. You know, most of the time, it's like you know, twelve, you know, maybe fifteen. Like a good chunk of the team play at some point this kickball game. So, brings guys together. There's laughter, you know. There's there's, there's energy, you know. There's a, a level of competitiveness, looseness, all of the above, right? So, um, I always say like. The kickball game was like the best part about the hockey game, man. That was like my, the funnest time uh, of the day leading up to the game was the kickball game, right? It was high energy, a lot of fun, just guys being silly and, you know, being characters. So, yeah, I think it's a huge part of uh, the preparation of the game. I got a, uh, a guy, and I actually haven't heard from this guy in a very long time. Uh, former hockey player, he played juniors. Uh, what goes through your mind when squaring up with someone much larger like Wah? Is there a game plan going into a fight like that? Also, one of the best knockouts to go down in Western, I don't know, WF. Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo Center. Center. Fargo Center, okay. I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, l- l- larger guys for sure. I mean, um, you know, I was a s- smaller guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm real light right now, but, you know, as far as size goes, I was in the smaller – end of guys so for, for larger guys with larger reach um you're trying to get inside and just you know just go more punches and bunches um guys more my size i would open up a little bit more you know like sean thorns and Aaron ashrams and guys like actually in my my weight uh, category uh, but you know for shears and the rocks and, and the mcgrattans i was just trying to get inside and, and not get them you know not get stuck out at the at the end of uh you know at the end of their bombs so 
Um, Andre Watt was a little, a little bigger than me. Um, you know, not, not not terribly bigger than me, but I fought him a bunch. And then, you know, that game itself, I fought him a couple of times. And, um, you know, the first time I fought, fought him that day, I, I, I'm a lefty and he's a righty. And I grabbed onto his, landed being his left hand, his lead hand. And he pulled his arm out of his jersey and got loose. So the, the first one was a draw, but, I, you know, I wasn't overly happy with the fight because I just didn't get a good grab and he got his arm loose. So we fought the second time, and it was the exact same spot on the ice. Same stance, same same setup, lefty versus righty. Stay, same lead hands like poached out there. So I, I grab it, and he tried to pull his hand out of the jersey, and I just let go, and his arm got caught. And that's sort of the fight he's referencing is when I went in and, and tagged him with a couple bombs. But, um, yeah, you know that one. That was you know more, more on the on the lucky side of things. I had a strategy, but it was just to kind of just get him caught in his jersey because he did it to me once before. But generally, when fighting larger guys, try and get in tight, try and work you know the, the faster the, the faster punches, so uppercuts, stuff like that, and and not absorb the big bombs from the from the bigger guys. But we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna have to worry about any of this at like the ball hockey tournament, right? Just, <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with the fighting. I remember right. listening to Nasty Knuckles one week at, at uh, Men's League. Some guy was yeah. was chirping you a little bit, give you some chops. Uh, like Men's that, that it's that that uh, that uh animal uh, animalistic instinct doesn't go away. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know why people think it does. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried to tame it. it, it it's come out a couple of times, and I'm actually thankful that it, and, and it is it, just peace. But. Um, yeah, you know, especially when guys just like cross that line, and I just like again, yeah, it's it's still it's still in me. The couple times it's come out, we're just like, like what the hell? Like, why do I have to be this angry at men's league? You know, and, and why do I feel like I have to do something about it right now? So, but when I play, I'm obviously not mentally preparing for that. I play, I try to be a skill guy now, and try to have fun, play pond hockey. So, when guys, you know, you play against some of these tryhard guys that you know get their elbows up and. You know, just do, 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 just, you know, just cross that line of you know, using their body to manipulate position stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it gets a little bit, I don't know. You just, it, just, it brings out the competitive nature in you, right? So you just kind of, like, my first instinct always if someone does that is to cross check them. I don't even think about it. You know what I mean? So I'll cross check them in the back and then they'll turn around and be like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, you're fighting for a puck and you cross the line, in my opinion. So that's it's the way I deal with things because it's like, if you have a problem with it, we can fight. You know, and that's usually the way the way I usually dealt with it. But I forget that it's men's league, so when I do that and I create a confrontation. And it's like, okay, now, now, like, am I fighting now? Like, should I do this? <laughs> and and it, and it always goes back to no, we shouldn't do it because you know the, these guys have jobs, just like myself. And I don't, I don't want to go to you know show up in public with broken you know my nose is already busted up. Yeah, I don't need another broken nose or you know black eye and all that shit. So. Um, it's not about that. Yeah, people just suck, especially in beer leagues. Always trying to go buck ten, trying to put on a show. Um, you mentioned the alumni for the Flyers. Obviously, it's not from the outside perspective. It doesn't seem like it's as as big and booming like like St. Louis, right? You get all of them. It's almost like a party. Uh, you guys had the alumni game. I believe it was a year ago at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, is that the start of something? To hey, hopefully we can bridge the gap now with the team and with the alumni. I would, I would hope so. You know, Brad Marsh has done a hell of a job with the alumni. Um, the, the challenge is, is a lot of these guys are getting older, especially a lot of guys that did play in some of these alumni games, the local ones anyways. 
again, like the Joe Watsons, Jimmy Watsons, the Hounds, like that's a good core guy, you know, group of guys that don't really play anymore. And then, you know, for these games you're talking about last year, that we flew, we flew in a bunch of guys from you know, all over the U S. So, um, Brad Marsh does his best to, to bring the, the guys together. Last week we had the Flyers alumni golf tournament, um, you know, guys coming in from all over the place. But these games, like I would love to have more of these alumni games. It's just, just, just challenging because, again, like to actually be an alumni game and actually have enough guys that can skate and, and, and get around, like you have to bring them, you have to bring them, bring them in from somewhere, right? So um, the larger games like that probably only happen once a year. And, and that one specifically was for – who was it? Was it Paul Ongren or it was, I, th I think it was specifically for you know one of the yeah, players. Um, so there was like there was something behind that specific one, but um, I know they've done them in Reading and they've done them outdoors and they you know they try and they try and um, you know get the guys together as much as possible, but it's just not that easy. I would like for it to be a little more often, honestly. But um, Brad Marsh all together, all round with the Flyers alumni, just does a hell of a job of putting together just alumni events. But the on ice ones, I would love. Uh, would love more of for sure. That last one that happened, I was in a press box for that one. Didn't know I was going to give the, get the opportunity to to go and see you guys go. Uh, you and Upshaw had a night that night. That was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty right. The updog. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exciting. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we're in flow state. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he he had a good time in his Philly days, right? Upshaw, oh, obviously yeah. on yeah, the ice, he was a good yeah, player, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uppy knows how to have, knows how to have a good time, knows how to enjoy life. So. <laughs> you, yeah, uh, I, I, I know a little of, bit of Bialaus or some of these uh, alumni games, huh? <laughs> What's that? Bring Frankie back? Yeah, bring him back a little bit. I, he he tells us stories all the time about. Uh, I think it was a men's league or what's <clears> no, <throat> alum. I think it was an alumni in Voorhees that he uh, he lost it a little bit because someone. Slew footed Watson or something like that. I, yeah. I forget what it was. I forget I, the story too, but I've heard that. I've heard that, and um, there's there's been a few incidences with Frankie, because um, <laughs> he he's, he really has no off he has no off switch. But uh, he's he's fun he's fun to be around and fun to watch. He just he gets to the red line and, and just bombs slappers, <laughs> high heat because <laughs> he's just obviously not in great skating shape anymore. You know, so um, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy, yeah. Uh, one, one of your former teammates, Scott Hartnell, just talk about what he would do in the room just to keep things light for the guys. Hersey, just the way he carried himself, it was just like everything was light, right? He's always joking, you know, busting on guys. Um, a lot of pranks too, right? I mean, it was, it was whether it was him actually one pulling the prank or guys getting Hersey back, um, just a lot of jibber-jabber, you know? He's just one of those guys that, well, again, likes to like you know, poke fun and, and screw with guys, and then you know, and he and he's and he's good at taking it too. Because he, if you're a guy that gives it, you're gonna get it right. And uh, I think he has a good personality. And and Hartsey and I go way back. We played junior hockey together. Actually, Nick Schultz, Nick Schultz, uh, Scott Hartnell, myself are all three rookies together in the Western Hockey League. So I go back a long time, uh, you know, with, with Hartsey, and, and he hasn't changed. He was just like a he was a man child at 16. Um, and just you know goofball um and he really hasn't changed a whole lot you know he just uh, he's he's more mature looking but i think he's the same same guy so um just you know light has like that fun and, and a hell of a hockey player you know you know he was a guy that you know 
showed up and competed every night and had an identity and, you know, just and brought it, but just a good guy around the locker room. Just, you know, never took himself I, too seriously. I remember that fight. It was like right in front of the net and, and Avery from the Rangers, Sean Avery was being a prick that night <laughs> and they decided to drop the gloves. And I think Hartnell just beat the wheels off him in like two punches. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Hartsy could do that. You know? Yeah. He's a, he's a competitive guy. Didn't fight a ton, but you know he, he would show up and he'd he'd swing. He's you know he's an athlete and, and he could hold his own. But yeah, no, I, I liked Hartsy's style, man. You should you should have seen him in junior, man. He killed guys, like just crushed guys uh, with big hits and have guys challenge him. But yeah, man, he was just you know just the power forward that could that could produce offensively. You know, he played in the NHL. He's 18 years old. I mean, he's a seventh overall pick. You know, he's he's like legitimate like legitimate NHL hockey player and, and found his role. You know, Philly was a good fit for him because, you know, he's in Nashville for so long and, um, you know, did, did, did well there. But I think, uh, I, I just think of as, as, as long as he played in Nashville, I just think of Hartsy as a flyer, you know, with the Columbus and that whole thing. But I don't know. I think just like to me, that's, that's where he really, you know, really fits as a flyer. Yeah. That long hair looking like uh Yukon Cornelius that year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I like him on TV. I, I think he's great yeah, on he's TV, good. really. Yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. The haircut was, was a little weird at the beginning, but <laughs> I like that, that rooster thing that he actually Yeah, did. yeah, right. No kidding. I feel like a lot of people don't know that he's that he actually could throw down and and he could be that guy if he needed to because he didn't do it very often. Yeah. But, um, he's a big he's got a big frame, like he's bigger than I am. He's six you know, six two and probably you know, probably with two fifteen. To, you know, he's just a bigger guy. Like he's got he's got a pretty broad shoulders. But again, like you know, like he he was a legitimate player. I mean, his first year in junior, he put up I think like eighty or ninety points. He's a sixteen year old in the Western Hockey League. You know, like he, he could score, he could pass, um, you know, and hit. And then obviously, when you first get in the NHL, you you take a lesser role, and then and then you kind of work your your work your way up and get more minutes and. You know, I think his best year probably was still with, with when Yogs joined the team. You know, I yeah. think that was probably his best year in point production. Really found himself, found a groove, going in the net. He's good around the net. Before we jump out of this bad boy, because we are kind of going up to an hour, I don't want to, you know, hold you on longer than you did you would like to be. Um, can you give me a good, the, the, the first time you met Derek Settlemeyer? Or a, first good, or time, a, good, a good or a good nasty story, maybe a good nasty story. G rated if you if you if you need to. <laughs> wow, um, man, there's so many. He's just a, such a such a character. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the first time I met him was with the Phantoms in two thousand four, two thousand five. Um, I started the year in the Central Hockey League, and Ron Hextel called me called me and basically I had signed a 25 game professional trial agreement and met the team in Hartford and nasty was the first guy there, you know, high energy, you know, bouncing around, and, but <laughs> just felt like I knew the guy forever. I'd be like, geez, I feel like I know this guy, you know, cause he's just so like, you know, helpful. And you know, again, it's like, he's, it's like he just did a, you know, a line of Coke or something. The guy's like bouncing around. I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like, is everyone this friendly right here? Or, um, so that was like my first thing, you know, my first uh, meeting with him and just like, Holy shit, man. Uh, but we hit it off. Like, you know, I actually like was always an early guy, but I'd go to the rink early cause he was always there. And I would just like sit in his office and just 
shoot the shit. And it was just like one of those guys that just like hit, hit it off with them almost immediately. Um, I ended up living with the guy one, one season. It was actually the, the season before I actually made the, the squad full time. Um, and just, uh, just stayed in Voorhees and trained. So we got to know each other a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, concerts and stuff like that, but just the, there's no overall good guy, but man, nasty. He's, he, he's a character, high, high energy, man. It's just, uh, it's just fun. It's fun to watch, but always, always screwing around too. You think like Hartnell screws around this guy, like always pranking, always pranking. I mean, he, even after I've seen the same prank a hundred times, the old snake in the cooler, he still somehow got me with this, like, Oh, okay. <laughs> what was it? It was, a, you know, five years after I retired and hadn't had a get in, you know, touch Gatorade for five years, you know, and, show up at the skate zone he's got the cooler out and he's like hey Riles, he's like you want to try this new this new flavor of gatorade and i'm like i can drink this shit so he opens it opens it up i for whatever reason go in there and reach and sure enough like this double sized cobra head pokes out i'm like holy shit I'm like how the hell did you get me? how did i fall for this you're so casual with it but he's always screwing around always doing something um, he got a heart in a trash can didn't he uh, we, yeah, he did, and then he got Scott Lawton in the trash can. We actually, we actually filmed with uh, Hunter Brody today from Brody's Media, and he, he he like called us three times before. He's like head on a swivel. He's like, he's nasty out there. Is he hiding behind a tree or something? He's like, he's like, I know he's around somewhere. He's like, open the garage door because you know he's his, you know his his radar was on because he just knows like anytime you're around nasty, he's there's something up, you know. So. That's just uh, everyone that knows Nasty knows that something something's bound to happen. So you know, um, just to keep your head on a swivel. So fun guys. Yeah, I know his dad's dad's legendary. I didn't legendary. know about the. the uh, we talked to uh, Andre Loire a while ago, and uh, he brought up like the Philadelphia Firebirds. I, I I had no idea that his dad actually suited up and play goalie for them you showed me yeah, he's texting me pictures the other day i was like oh my god i love the jersey so that's kind of how it started but uh yeah i had no idea that even happened yeah such an interesting story yeah we had we actually had him on our pod um and i've known sudsy for years but some of the stuff i had no idea how how it kind of all evolved and how he kind of found his little niche and and how he landed up playing a couple games and it's incredible, actually. You know, something like that would never ever happen in, in, in today's day and age. But um, much like a nasty, you know, just it's a good guy in the locker room, high energy, good communicator, and you know, kind of found his lane. And uh, you know, Bobby Clark was a big fan of it, uh, of Sudsy, and you know, supportive of him. He helped him get a job down in Florida after he's with the Flyers. So it's it's funny how it works. It's you no, know, it's not what you know. It's 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 who you know. But it always goes back to relationships and character, right? And I think if you have good relationships and have good character, um, you know, you, you can last a long time in a certain job and that's you know, kind of how they, they've done it. So we got, we got one more uh, question from the audience before we wrap this up. Uh, it's actually Wade's uh, father, Wade, um, oh, who was uh, your idol growing up playing hockey? So I had a couple, um, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and my parents had uh, season tickets to Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Dale Howarchuk, Scott Arneal for Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Scott Arneal, most people don't know who he is, but I'd won a, I'd won a Scott Arneal jersey, number 11. So I wore number 11 
uh, my whole youth hockey uh, career as well as into um, in, into juniors um, just because I won the jersey. You know, I had no, no idea about the guys <laughs> as a player really. Um, you know, Ty Domi, I remember, you know, having Ty Domi on the Winnipeg Jets and, and being a fan, didn't really understand the role. I was too young to understand that. And then just with the, with the Edmonton Oilers, Mark Messier, who also wore number 11. So, um, Dale Howard, Chuck Scarnell, Mark Messier, I'd probably say the three and just cause Winnipeg Jets fan, you know, grew up in central Canada there. So, um, those were the ones. All right, Riley, before we let you go, you want to just plug and talk about what you're getting into now with the body check wellness and the CBD, stuff like that? Yeah, so we've been doing this for quite some time. The hemp-derived CBD and functional mushrooms, um, just, you know, everyday daily maintenance, right? I look at these things as, uh, as, as dietary essentials, daily supplements, however you want to look at them. Um, but just optimizing the body, it's all about just general wellness, feeling better, managing stress, Managing anxiety, sleeping better, pain management, all the above. And they're all connected. So um, as we know, the cannabis plant has been an amazing tool for for healing, specifically pain and anxiety at, uh, at the proper doses. And then some of these functional mushrooms uh, complement the, 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 the cannabinoids and, and have their own, uh, uh, you know, he, he healing components to, to support what the, the cannabinoids are doing. So we've been doing this for some time. I call it like, you know, the world of recovery, right? Whether you're working a nine to five or you're an athlete, we're all recovering and sleep is obviously the spine of that. And I understand that most people don't sleep great and that's really where you, you're healing. So a real strong emphasis on sleep and recovery and uh, body check wellness, bodycheckwellness.com. Also, with that being said, remember everybody, um, <clears throat> go to www.bodycheckwellness.com. And uh, enter promo code OCS, no caps, for 25% off your hemp-derived CBD needs. Riley, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it so much. Good culture talks, everything. Uh, anytime you want to come back in, you're always welcome in the alley. And we will see you whenever we get a date for the ball hockey tournament. Yeah, right, we're going to pull a prank on Nasty when we all come out there. We're, we're going to get him. I'm going to be dying in the corner. I don't know how, how I'm going to run. <laughs> up I keep telling my wife I'm going to start running. Uh, we got a couple months before it happens, and I just keep looking at the front door, and I'm just like, my God. Yeah, don't do a long-distance run. Do, do a little sprints because that's where, that's where it's at. Do a couple 50-yard sprints. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's the taxing part of it, man, is the short bursts, the quick, you know, explosive steps because – Again, I hadn't run like that in 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 eons. I can't remember the last time I ran like that. So, I mean, my legs seized up that day, and then the next day I could hardly even walk. The next two days, it was it was pretty pretty rough, but um, but a lot of fun, man. I, we, I don't know somehow we made it to the finals. We had six guys on our team, and it was like ninety degrees, um, but it was super fun. I mean, I, I I love the ball hockey. I could see why it's exploding, especially in Jersey. Um, the National Ball Hockey League and expanding uh, up the East Coast. So it's a good sport. Yeah, and with that being said, like I said, thanks so much again for coming on. Anthony, Wade, thank you for always joining me in the alley. And uh, that is – I almost called it by a check one. That is Flyer <laughs> Alley. Hey, guys, are you tired of having a dry, itchy, flaky beard? Go to norsebeards.com to take your beard to a Viking level. Norsebeards have a variety of products and free shipping over $50. Become part of the Norse family by going to norsebeards.com 
and enter promo code OCS at checkout for 25% off. Norspirits.com and Old City Sports Network answered the call of Valhalla. Hey everybody, Jesse here from Flyers Alley and Old City Sports Network. I want to tell you guys about one of our newest sponsors, Neshaminy Creek Brewing. Go to www.neshaminycreekbrewing.com. Check out all their cool beers. They have some of the best looking cans in the area. Everything is Philadelphia based. Looks like Philly. Gives you the Philly vibe. They have some great IPAs, Pilsners, Stouts, the works. Guys, go to www.neshaminycreekbrewing.com. Go check out this great sponsor that we love at Old City Sports Network and they love us too. Thanks, guys.